Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Barely There Theater, where we present theater to you, barely. Up this week, a play. There will be a brief message after the play is over, so stick around once the show's done. Now sit back, relax, and please enjoy an adaptation of Nikolai Gogol's short story, The Nose. On March 25th, there took place an extraordinarily strange occurrence. The barber Ivan woke up early and smelled fresh bread. He rose in bed and saw his wife, drinking coffee, take some newly baked loaves out of the oven. I won't have coffee today, said Ivan. Instead, I'd like to eat a bit of hot bread with onion. That is to say, Ivan would have liked one and the other, but he knew that it was impossible to demand two things at once, for Paisley very much disliked such frivolities. Let the fool eat bread. More coffee for me, thought Paisley as she threw a loaf on the table. So as not to dirty his nightgown, Ivan donned a tailcoat and, sitting down to breakfast, poured out salt, got two onions ready, picked up a knife, assumed a thoughtful position, and began to slice the bread. He saw something shining in the bread. He poked it with a knife. Solid! Ivan stuck his fingers in the bread and pulled out a nose. He rubbed his eyes and felt the object. A nose, a nose indeed, and a nose he knew. What's this? What's what? This. Bread. No, this. You idiot. Where did you get a nose? Drunkard. Three people have told me it's a wonder their noses have stayed in place with the way you jerked them round. But Ivan was more dead than alive. He recognized the nose as that of Kevin, whom he shaved every Wednesday and Sunday. Hold on, Paisley. I'll put it in the corner after I've wrapped it in a rag, leave it there for a little while, and then, when I feel up to it, I'll take it away. I won't even hear of it. Take it of it. No! Let's let it lie there. Maybe a nose tree will sprout, and then you'll be able to stop working in the barber business. Something you're clearly so ill-equipped to do. I should note, Paisley could often be mean and cruel to her husband, Ivan. Fortunately for Ivan, today was not one of those days. You dry stick! You piece of filth! What am I supposed to do with this? I suppose you want me to answer the door when the police arrive. Should I also take the blame? Take it anywhere you like, but take it out of my sight! Ivan stood there with a wealth of thoughts. He thought and thought and didn't know what to think. Bread is something baked, and a nose is... different. It makes no sense. Ivan fell silent as his thoughts turned to the potential of police breaking down his door to arrest him for possession of a stolen nose. To prevent his fate at the hands of the state, Ivan wrapped the nose in a rag and escorted it out, past the shrieks of his still-yelling wife. He wanted to shove it under something somewhere, either into the mailbox... Or just drop it as if by accident, and then turn off into a side street. But as bad luck would have it, Ivan kept running into people he knew. Where are you going? Who am I off to shave so early in the morning? Once, to be rid of it, Ivan dropped the nose in the street. Pick it up, you've dropped something there. Immediately said a distant police officer. Ivan was, of course, obliged to pick up the nose. His despair mounted as more and more shops began to open for the morning with more and more people filling the streets. Maybe I could swing by the river, drop it in there, 
I am somewhat to blame. I haven't yet told you anything about Ivan. In many ways, he was a respectable man. Like any self-respecting Russian artisan, he was a terrible drunkard. And although every day he shaved other people's chins, his own was ever unshaven. And as Kevin, owner of the nose, once told him, Your hands, Ivan, always stink. Why should they stink? I don't know, but they do. And Ivan, in retaliation, would lather Kevin's cheeks and under his nose and behind his ear and under his chin. In other words, wherever he felt like. This esteemed citizen now found himself on St. Isaac's Bridge. To start, he took a good look around and leaned on the railings as though to look under the bridge to see whether or not there were many fish swimming and casually tossed down the rag containing the nose. What a relief. He felt as if a ton had been lifted off his shoulders. He even smirked. Rather than going to work, Ivan made way to a shop with a sign that read, Snacks and Tea, when he suddenly noticed, at the end of the bridge, a police officer wagging his finger and saying, Step this way, friend. Knowing the procedure, Ivan removed his hat while still some way off and said, I wish you're on a good health. None of that yet on a nonsense. Just tell me, what were you doing over there, standing on the bridge? Honestly, sir, I've been waiting to shave someone and only look to see if the river were running fast. You're lying. Tell me the truth. I am ready to shave your worship two times a week, even three times, and no complaints. I've no need. I had three barbers who shaved me and deem it a great honor, too. Just tell me, what were you doing over there? Ivan turned pale. But here the story grows hazy, and of what happened next, absolutely nothing is known. Earlier that morning, across town, Kevin woke up. Where is that mirror? Kevin's first words of the day were not always asking to see himself. They were today because the night before, Kevin had seen a rather massive pimple on his nose and wanted to see if it were still there. Huh. To his extreme amazement, in place of a nose was a perfectly smooth surface. He washed his eyes and dried them with a towel. No nose. He pinched himself to see if he was asleep. Ouch! No, he didn't think so. Kevin jumped out of bed and shook himself. No nose. He got dressed and left to see the chief of police. In the meantime, something must be said of Kevin. He was a duly elected official, a municipal committee member, something that he was quick to remind anyone of, he hadn't held the position for two years, but that never stopped him from calling himself Major. Listen, my dear. He would say to an old woman who sold apples on the bridge. Go to my house on Sturdivant Street and ask, Does Major Kevin live here? Anyone can tell you I do. So, accordingly, we'll refer to him as Major Kevin from here on out. It was Major Kevin's habit to take a daily walk down Norman Avenue to be seen by as many people as possible. He had first moved to St. Petersburg in order to gain status. Ideally a vice governor, but he would have been happy to be a bailiff. He wasn't opposed to marriage, on the condition that his bride come from money. I'll leave it to you to imagine what this type of man felt when he discovered he had no nose. What is this city coming to? The sun has barely risen and not a cab in sight, murmured Kevin as he left his house. The lack of transport forced him to walk his normal route down Norman Avenue with a handkerchief held to his face like he had a bloody nose, which, of course, was ridiculous since he had no nose to bleed. 
Maybe it's my imagination. It's impossible that a nose would fall off of someone's face. He reassured himself as he entered a nearby cafe in search of a mirror. I was still dreaming when I woke up. It's the only thing that makes sense. Thank God no one is here. He said, in spite of the cafe employees currently wiping down tables. Now I can inspect myself at my leisure. He looked at his reflection. Disgusting. If only there were there was something there instead of the, the nose, instead of absolutely nothing. He exited into the street, determined neither to smile nor look at anyone he passed by. He was stopped in his tracks when something extraordinary happened. A cab stopped in front of a house. One of its doors swung open, and a most distinguished gentleman stepped out. Imagine Kevin's terror when he saw that it was his own nose. So that's where it ended up. The world inverted around him. Determined to make sure he saw what he saw, Kevin lurked behind a light post and waited for his nose to return. Two minutes later, the nose stepped back out of the house he had entered into. It was clear to Kevin that in the interceding minutes, his nose had been elected to office, some state position, congressman, or senator of the sort. The nose got back in its cab. Drive on. How is this possible? The nose that had only yesterday been on his face, which can neither walk nor drive, was now a duly elected official of the public. Luckily for Kevin, it was not long before he crossed paths with his nose again. He found it outside of a shop, peering in through the glass at an assortment of spectacles. How can I get at it? Thought Kevin. Everything, the suit, the hat, and so on, show that it is a state senator. How did that happen? Kevin began to cough discreetly. <laughs> discreetly. <coughs> but the nose ignored him. Honorable, sir. Honorable, sir! What do you want? It seems strange to me, most respected sir. You should know where you belong. And I find you all of a sudden, where? Judge yourself. I have no clue what you're talking about. Explain yourself. Naturally. I should mention, I'm a major. You, you must admit it. it's not acceptable for me to go about without a nose. An old apple woman on the bridge may go about her day without one, but since I am on the search for a post... B besides, in many houses, I am acquainted with the ladies of high position. A state senator's wife, Alexandra Piddington, among others. So you see, from the point of view of duty and honor, you yourself will understand. I understand nothing. Explain yourself. I'm not sure what the miscommunication is. You're my nose. The nose wrinkled its forehead. I am myself. Besides, there could be no close relation between us. By the state of your clothes, you must be in quite a different department to mine. And the nose turned away. Kevin was going to protest more, but his gaze was caught by an elderly lady approaching from the opposite direction, accompanied by her beautiful daughter. He felt immediate shame. Someone so beautiful could never love someone with no nose, thought the noseless man. Kevin turned to tell his nose off, but found it was gone. Scoundrel! By now the thoroughfare was thoroughly packed, and any chance of finding his nose's cab in the traffic was long gone. Kevin calculated his options and determined that his best hope was to contact the police. 
Not because the affair had anything to do with them, but because they acted more promptly than a body of government, his second option. He flagged a cab and went to the police station where he was greeted by a gargoyle of a receptionist. What can I do for you? I need to speak to the chief of police. You just missed him. Are you sure? Yeah. You just missed him. If you had been here a minute earlier, you might have caught him. Kevin hopped back into his cab and cried, Drive on! Where? Straight! Sir, it's a crossroad. We can go right or left. If I were in my nose's position, thought Kevin, I would flee the city because I would know that I would contact the police. First thing, my nose will be long gone by now. As if by divine intervention, Kevin saw his path forward. Driver, take me to the nearest newspaper. And off they went. When they arrived, Kevin was greeted by a man who appeared to be older than news. Who takes the advertisements here? At your service. I need to place an ad in your paper. One moment, please. And the ad agent punched in some numbers on his calculator. It's of the utmost urgency. One moment. As was his nature, Kevin had failed to notice the long line of people waiting in front of him. Already at the desk was a man dressed noticeably better than Kevin. If you were to ask me, this dog isn't worth $80. I wouldn't even pay 8 for this collared rat. And yet the Countess insists on offering $1,000 to anyone who finds it. Quite honestly, these people are all the same. They'll give thousands or better for poodle or pointer if they think they're pure. The ad agent listened as only a sales associate could while he counted out the words. Behind the valet was a line of ad seekers, one of which wanted to sell a vacuum cleaner two decades old that had only been partially used, another who was seeking help for their mother, another who was seeking any kind of work that could be done sitting down, and yet another who also wanted to sell a partially used vacuum. So many bodies packed in so tight a room left the air thick. Thankfully for Kevin, he had no nose to smell. Sir, let me ask. I am in a great hurry. What? What do you want? Dollar by the word, make it count! Yeah, what can I do for you? I wish... I have just been cheated and I cannot catch the perpetrator. All I want is to put out an ad offering a reward for his capture. Okay, uh, your name? Why? I know many ladies. Wife of a state senator? The wife of a state congressman? Alexandra, the wife of a governor? I wouldn't want them to know anything about this. You can put down committee man. Committee man. Better yet, major. You know I'm writing in pen, right? Committee man will be fine. Okay. You want the ad to offer a reward for the capture of the man who slept with your wife. Any particular way you want to word that? What? No, nothing like that. It's my nose that has cheated me. That's a pretty name, my nose. Can you spell that for me? My nose. No, no, no. It is my own nose which has left me. I don't know where it's gone. I don't understand. Oh, neither do I, but it's now walking around the city as a state senator. That is why I'd like to advertise that whoever finds it next should bring it to me. 
I mean, come on. How am I supposed to live without a nose? If it were a toe, I could put on a sock and no one would know the difference. Every Thursday, I call on the wife of a state senator, Alexandra, who has a very pretty daughter, another one of my acquaintances. And what am I supposed to do now? You surely can't expect me to greet them like this. Sorry, I don't think I can put out an ad like that. Why not? It could compromise the integrity of the paper. Suppose everyone could advertise that their nose was lost. We already have enough people yelling fake news at us. Thank you very much. But this isn't fake news. This is news news. You think so? Just last week, I had an official barge their way in front of the line, just as you've done, wanting to put out an ad offering the reward of $600 for the return of a black-haired poodle. Seemed all well and good. This week, we find out it was libel. The so-called poodle turned out to be the treasurer of the International Bank. But I'm not talking about a poodle. I'm talking about my own nose, which is basically myself. I can't do it. But my nose really has disappeared. Quite frankly, that sounds like a medical problem. I hear they have doctors now that can give you any kind of nose you'd like. I'm telling you the truth. I can even show you. Why bother? Said the agent as he took a sniff of snuff. But if it isn't a bother, could I see? And the major moved his handkerchief from his face. Huh. You see for yourself it's true. I'd be very grateful and I'm very glad that this incident gave me the pleasure of making your acquaintance. Said the major, laying it on thick. I could certainly do it, but I don't see what good it would do. However, if it continues to bother you, might I recommend finding someone good with words and asking them to write it up and publish it in some scientific journal? He said, taking another snip of snuff. You know, for the kids. Discouraged, Kevin's eyes fell on a daily paper in which a theatrical performance was being advertised. He recognized the name of the actress as someone he had been told was very pretty and involuntarily smiled at the thought of a night at the theater. I really am sorry to hear about your mishap with your nose. Want some snuff? It clears the head, banishes depression, and I've been told good for hemorrhoids. Said the incorrect ad agent, offering a snuff box to Kevin. How am I supposed to take snuff with no nose? said the major as he left the newspaper to go see an almost respected judge. This judge was a great patron of all the local arts and industries, but what he liked above everything else was a check. It is a thing, he was known to say, which has no equivalent. It requires no food. It doesn't take up much room. It fits in a pocket, and if it falls, it's not broken. Kevin arrived just as the dignitary was reclining on his couch and saying to himself, Yes, I shall make a nice sum of that. It's to be expected that the committee man's visit was inopportune. The judge told Kevin that the afternoon was not the best time to come with the case, and that nature demanded rest after eating, and that respectable people did not have their noses stolen. Oh. We must remember that Kevin was a very sensitive man. He didn't mind a word said against him as a person, but he could not stand any comments on his rank or social position. After such insulting expressions on your part, I have nothing more to say. And he left. He reached his home just before dark. 
When he got inside, he saw that his valet, who was also named Ivan, had made himself comfortable on the couch and was keeping himself amused by spitting at the ceiling, hitting every time the same spot. You good-for-nothing idiot! Ivan quickly hopped to and took his boss's cloak. Kevin made himself as comfortable as he could without a nose and began to soliloquize. Why have the heavens cursed me? Such a, If I had lost an arm or a leg, that would be one thing. But a nose? What is a man without a nose good for? He is fit only to be thrown out the window. If I had lost it in a, in a duel or, or a war, or, or, or even if I had lost it myself, but no, it ran away. But no again, because that's impossible. I, I must be dreaming or, or suffering from a, a hallucination. Perhaps I swallowed by mistake vodka instead of water. Yes, that must be. That idiot Ivan must have forgotten to take it away and I must have swallowed it. As means of sobriety test, the major pinched himself. Ouch! He determined he was neither dreaming nor drunk. It's her fault. Alexandra Piddington. She wished that I would marry her daughter, and I said no, so she's cursed me. How can she blame me? I'm too young to marry. After all, I need to serve five more years before I can even turn forty. Two. Plans of action swirl through Kevin's head as he tried to figure out his next steps. Should he file a legal motion? Or better yet, openly confront her in public? His musings were interrupted by the sound of Ivan greeting someone at the door. Kevin quickly covered his face with a handkerchief and awaited company. Does uh, Major Kevin live here? Come in. The same police officer from the beginning of our story, the one who stopped the other Ivan on the bridge, entered the room. You've uh, lost your nose. How did you know? It was found. How? By pure accident. It had been arrested just as it was getting into a cab for parts unknown. Its uh, passport had been made out some time ago in the name of an elected official. What's even stranger is that when I first saw it, I mistook it for a gentleman. Thankfully, I had my glasses with me, and once I put them on, I saw right away that it was a nose. I'm so short-sighted that as you stand before me, I cannot tell apart your nose, beard, or anything else. My mother-in-law has the same affliction. Where's my nose? Let me go to it? No need. I brought it with me. Turns out the chief thief in the case was the barber living on Ascension Avenue, who is now safely locked up. I had uh, suspected him of drunkenness and petty theft for a while. Your nose is uninjured. From his pocket, the police officer withdrew the nose wrapped up in butcher paper. Yes! Yes, this is it! Oh, oh, stay and drink a, a cup of tea with me. Yeah, I wish I could, but the uh, cost of living being what it is, I need as many hours as I can get. My mother-in-law lives with me along with several children, the eldest of whom is very bright, but uh, I have no means for the education. And the officer left Kevin to his nose. This is it! Pimple and all! And he laughed out loud with joy. <laughs> but nothing is permanent in this world. Joy only fades until one feels normal. Like the rings from a pebble's throw, fading into stillness. Kevin realized his troubles were not yet over. His nose had been returned, but it had to be restored to its rightful place. He placed himself in front of his mirror and attempted to reattach his nose. It would not stick. 
He held his nose to his mouth and warmed it with his breath and tried again. No luck. Stay. Just stay there. But the nose bounced back to the table like a cork, sound and all. Why won't you stay? Everything he tried would fail, so the major had his valet summon the best doctor he could afford. This doctor was more imposing than most. He ate fresh apples every morning and cleaned his teeth with extreme care, using five different brushes for 45 minutes every day. The doctor came immediately. Huh said the doctor, inspecting the space on Kevin's face where nose should have been. He shook his head. It cannot be done. Best uh, remain like that, lest something worse happen. I could certainly reattach it, but I promise it would look worse than it does now. How am I supposed to live with no nose? There is nothing worse than that. How am I supposed to show myself like this? Just tonight I've been invited to two parties. I know several ladies, one the wife of a mayor and another the wife of a state senator, Madam Piddington, although after her recent actions, I don't want anything more to do with her unless the police are involved. I beg you. The poor man pleaded. Find some way to replace it, even if it isn't firm, just so that it holds it all. I, I can always secure it with my hand if I feel like it starts to loosen. Besides, I don't dance, so there's no risk of sudden movement. And don't worry about your fee. I assure you, I can afford it. <sighs> Believe me, I do not treat my patients for financial gain. That would go against my art. I do accept fees, but only so I don't hurt my patients' feelings. I can replace your nose, but I won't. Let nature do its work. It seems you can get by without one. As for the nose itself... I recommend you get it preserved. Add some warm vinegar and some brandy, and you could fetch a decent price for it at market. I would buy it myself if the price were right. I wouldn't sell it for anything. I would rather it was lost again. Then I'll be off. I hope to be useful to you, but I've done all I can do. And the doctor left, although Kevin couldn't notice, preoccupied as he was with his nose. The next day, the major decided to write the state senator's wife and get back what she stole. Dear Madam Alexandra Piddington, I don't understand you. You will gain nothing for embarking on the course you have, and I can guarantee you will not get me to marry your daughter. I know the story of my nose has become well known. It is you and no one else who orchestrated it all. The nose's disappearance, its reappearance as a politician, are nothing but witchcraft on your part. If the above-mentioned nose is not restored to its proper place, I shall take you into court where the truth will prevail. Your obedient servant, Kevin Carlson. Major Kevin Carlson? I am shocked. I had not expected such cruel remarks from you. I can promise the politician of which you speak has not been to my house. It is true that Philippe Yovanovitch, a man of good breeding, has been to my house to ask for my daughter's hand. But I gave him no hope. You say something about her nose. If you intend to imply that I wished to snub you, I am astonished, because you should know better than anyone else that I am of the opposite mind. 
If after this you wish to ask for my daughter's hand, I, I would be glad to gratify you in the accomplishment of which I might remain. Yours most sincerely, Alexandra Piddington. She can't have done it. No criminal could write such a letter. Then if she didn't do this, who did? Meanwhile, rumor of this extraordinary event had already traveled far, and as is generally the case, not without numerous additions. People back then were prone to believe all sorts of things. There had been recent captivation with magnetism, of all things. The story of the floating chairs off of Cancerous Street was still fresh in the mind, and there was nothing astonishing in hearing that Major Kevin's nose could be seen walking every day at three down Norman Avenue. The crowd that would gather would be enormous, day after day. A few weeks later, someone spread a rumor that the nose could be found in a local pawn shop, and the police had to be called in to break up what ensued. All these stories were eagerly collected by the Kevins of the town, those with women to entertain. In my opinion, too few citizens were put out by it at all. One gentleman asserted that he could not understand how people could believe such nonsense so easily, and he was shocked that the government did nothing to intervene. He was one of those people who wished the government would intervene in everything, so that nothing was ever done. But here, the story grows hazy, and of what happened next? Absolutely nothing is known. Strange events happen in this world, events which are entirely improbable. Where is that mirror? On April 7th, the same nose which had been elected to office and caused a commotion was found one morning in its proper place, mostly centered on Kevin's face. Oh! Ivan, get in here! Beckoned the master to his valet, who entered some time after. Huh? Do you see a pimple on my nose? Am I supposed to lie? No. Then yes. Fantastic! Get out! At that moment, Ivan the barber stuck his head through the door. You! Are your hands clean? Yes. You lie. I promise they're clean. All right, I'll trust you. On with it. There it is. Thought Ivan to himself as he lathered the major's face. Yes, it, it actually is the nose. When one thinks about Careful. it. Careful! Ivan had grabbed the major's nose, as was his habit when shaving him. Apologies. He said as he finished the shave. Soon as he could, Kevin hailed a cab and headed straight to the cafe. He ordered a cup of coffee as he entered and inspected the mirror. Still got it. Kevin sneered at a nearby police officer who had a nose that Kevin deemed unfit and left the shop. After that, he went and applied for the post of either vice governor or bailiff. On his way back from the government building, he ran into Madame Pennington and her daughter on the street. He stopped and had a joyous, lively conversation with them, sniffing snuff throughout. At the end of the conversation, he took one last sniff and said, It was lovely chatting with you. I'll never marry your daughter. <laughs> the major resumed his walks on Norman Avenue and his visits to the theater as if nothing had happened. His nose also stayed where it was, as if it had never left. From that time on, he was always seen to be smiling while he chased after his many pretty women. All this happened. But when we stop and think about it, a lot of it doesn't seem likely. Not even counting the disappearance of a nose or its election to office, 
How did Kevin not understand that one can't take out an ad for their own nose in the paper? <laughs> Gosh. Another problem is how the nose ended up in the baked loaf. And how did Ivan the barber... Now, I don't understand it. The least understandable thing of it all is how authors can choose such subjects for their stories. Defies all expectations. On one hand, no benefit comes from it. On the other hand, no benefit comes from it either. All the same, there's something to it all. Despite what people say, such things happen. Rarely, but now and then, actually. Thank you for listening to this month's play. The goal of Barely There Theatre is to create plays and entertainment for people free of charge, anywhere they want, anytime they want. Subscribe to us for mostly weekly updates with new audio plays, rehearsals, and whatever else might come up. We do ask that if you liked what you just listened to, consider donating to us at our website, barelytheretheater.com. And if you're in a position where you can't afford to donate, that's okay too. Consider passing this episode along to someone who you think will enjoy it. Get a hold of us at our email address, feedback at barelytheretheater.com, or leave a comment below if you're listening on YouTube. Tune in in the upcoming weeks for a behind-the-scenes look at the rehearsal process of the play you just listened to, where you can hear the growth, bloopers, and whatever tangents we may spiral off into. Once again, thanks for listening to Barely There Theater.